paint the fucking world. Paint the fucking world. The fucking world. Paint 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 the fucking world. Hello and welcome to Paint the Fucking World, a podcast for artists by artists. My name is Visual Salt and joined here with my co-host Nolan and we are with Robin from the Sad Babes Club. How are you this evening, Robin? I'm doing good. Good, glad to hear that. Um, Robin, you are an artist based out of California, correct? Yeah, Fresno, California. Fresno. Are you originally from California or is your transplant? Um, I'm from Merced, California, which is even smaller than Fresno, um, but same Central Valley area the, basically my whole life. I lived on the East Coast for like a tiny bit of time, and then I came back because I missed it. All right on. Yeah, I, uh, I like I said, I live in Oregon, and I'm from a very, very, very small town, like 2,000 people, and then now I live in a much larger city, which is very art-centric, so it's pretty great. Um, I feel like everybody looks at California as very art-centered. Like, you know, you have L.A. as a huge hub, and then you have the East Coast with New York. Uh, have you, do you experience, like, a lot of art where you live, or? Uh, we do, actually, especially Fresno. Um, we are, we're, we're thriving with artists, and I actually just founded an art collective here in Fresno with a couple of friends. Um, we got it off the ground. Nice. We've, we've been in talks with, like, a few educators from San Diego and Humboldt. And we're just, we have a million projects on the books, but um, especially in Tower District Fresno, that's kind of like the live wire of artists in the community. It's really nice. Ooh, that's awesome. Well, I, what, what are you guys, what are you, some of your goals for your collective you're trying to, to do? Like, what do you have a name well, for it yet? Our, our main focus is education. So like okay. if we can get people resources to get educated in art or become an educator, um, I run like social media for a local makerspace called Root Access Hackerspace, and they provide you with like so many tools for the community to be able to like create things like a laser cutter or a 3D printer, a whole crafting space, things to make like a guitar amp. And like we try to connect people with classes they can take or they can teach a class there. And then like the resources possible to like go to a vendor event and host like an art show. It's just trying to plug people into the right areas is like a big part of what we want to accomplish especially this year that's awesome that's really similar to what we're trying to do with the paint the fucking world art collective um trying to, to build up and support artists and eventually get to the point where we can connect it's hard to do that when everybody lives across the country yeah but it, it's it's awesome that you have founded a group uh locally that you're able to do that with i'm definitely so. trying <laughs> It's yeah, it's so we hard. All closed off for COVID. For yeah, COVID, definitely. I just want to reconnect people and kind of bring them back together and remind them that, like, essentially, like, unionize artists because we need our own voice in the community and not be told, like, you need a permit. And, you know, just that's art. Like, let's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I, I always think it's a, a big thing to kind of come together with artists as far as like pricing your work and things like that, you know, because a lot of artists don't know how to price their work and they price it so low that it really will hurt the community as a whole because they just don't know what they're worth and their time and things like that. So I'm like, you know, it, it's always a hot topic uh, with, with artists. 
I struggle with on my own stuff. So it is nice to get feedback from other artists that are about um, inclusivity and not exclusivity, because that is something we definitely avoid. We do not like exclusivity. We don't think it's helpful. We definitely yeah. aren't gaslight gatekeep girl boss. Like we're, we're trying yeah. to. Yeah. I, I think it's just like, you know, there's a lot of young artists that I know that have asked me for advice or, or talked to me and I'm like, you know what what are you normally pricing your artwork at they're like oh i don't know 50 bucks and i was like how long did you work on that for oh i don't know eight ten hours i was like 50 dollars is paying you like nothing yeah really covering your costs i mean if you want to do it for a hobby that's great but charge more you're worth more you know yeah tyler so and i have had these conversations he's gotten we've gotten into some discussions man for when i first started trying to sell my art too I was in that realm, like 50, 60 bucks, whatever. And he's like, are you kidding me? It's like 150 easy. And I'm like, what? No. What? I was, no I was buy it for 150 bucks. <laughs> but uh, some, somebody's going to see value in it. And that person's really going to want to pay that much and support your art so that you can continue creating. And without artists, what is the world even? Like, <laughs> what's the point? It, it's right. such a hard such a hard thing because you want to sell artwork to make make money uh you know so sometimes you're like taking less money just to get it out i mean i i will definitely take less money with artwork that i've had for two three years you know just because i'm like i've been sitting on it for a long long time and my art has evolved so much i'm like it's just i need to, i need a clean house um but i try to be consistent with my pricing and what I'll do is I'll, I'll get a price in my head and then I'll tack on double that way. If I get what I, if I have to go down by half, I still get what I want. Yeah. It makes because sense. haggling, haggling is such like an expected thing in the art world. People. Yeah. Will, Which is and, unfortunate and I, because they'll buy fakey art crap on Amazon for 30 bucks and feel like they've really contributed to being part of the art community and like please don't do that please just pay you know, somebody that like put their heart and soul into a piece and actually value what they do yeah i mean one of the things that I, I told marco i was like hey you know if you go to say fred myers and purchase one of their canvas wrap prints you're looking at about 200 dollars yeah. for one of their nice canvas wrap prints from an artist that you don't know it's not original and most of the time it's an unknown artist anyways, but somebody won't pay $200 for an original piece of work because they think it's acceptable to try to haggle you down. Why is that an acceptable thing in this community? I just don't know. Um, but artists undersell themselves all the time. And I try to let people know, Hey, you know, when you undersell yourself, it really hurts as the, uh, the community as a whole, because people think it's acceptable from now on. That is so true. Actually. I think I definitely want to bring that discussion up for our, our black meeting because that that's something that a lot of the artists in the community struggle with especially coming back from like not being you know able to do art hops for two years and show off their stuff and like they're kind of just like how do i even make ends meet at this point and i'm like you could you could really put yourself like further out there and get more for it because you worked so hard so that yeah it does mean a lot yeah i mean i started a project in october i mean a lot of people do inktober and I, I'm very stuck on selling those pieces for $31 because it's 31 days in October. Yeah. And so with all of those pieces, I could probably charge 50 to 100 bucks per, but I, I'm very stuck with that number because it's kind of a special, specific thing. It's like a but, theme. Yeah. 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 And right. 
and honestly, it kind of drives a buzz, you know, which is good. And I sell those pieces and they're, I think making art collect like for everyone, cause not everyone can spend like $3,500 on one of my larger pieces, but if they could spend $31 and still own one of my pieces of art, you know, it, it makes them, it's more inclusive at that point that they can still be a part of it. And, you know, I think, you know, having original art is special for a lot of people. So I, I like being able to provide a, or a wide variety of, of price ranges for, and honestly going to different venues and, and setting up and, and selling, you kind of have to cater to that venue. Some of them are going to be more on the higher end. Some of them are going to be on the lower end. And that, you know, that's so. actually something we talked about in our art collective too, is like when we have to cater to venues, it's not, it's not helping artists and we want to try to like get our own galleries and just, just like set up shop in random places, do like not safe for work events, do, uh, we want to do an art, um, an art show specifically by children who can sell their art pieces. And I think that would be oh, really yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't want to set them up in like the mall. Like I want to give them some cool place that they can feel really proud of and part of the community. And it's kind of edgy and make them feel like, you know, even though they're kids, they're still people. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're popping the Martinelli's and pouring that uh, <laughs> uh, six-year-old Marco right now is going, yes, yes, yes. I don't know if you've listened to the episode with Marco, but he, at six, he was out there slinging art on the side of the street. And uh, honestly, so. if get started, get him started young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, my three-year-old loves to make art to the point where I'm constantly scrubbing the walls. And uh, it's very abstract expressionist, you know, just all the way down the wall. <laughs> Is Inner Jackson Pollock, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, do you ever make it out to any, you know, art openings or galleries where you live? Or is that more difficult with COVID right now? Um, I do now. Like, um, I'm, I got vaccinated and boosted and I feel like I double mask everywhere I go. I try to be very safe just because, like... <laughs> I have like my mom I have to worry about and stuff. So I just sure. try to kind of overdo it. And then when I am able to go out and do stuff, um, there's a there's just a lot going on in Fresno. We have a downtown community, we have Tower District, we have North Fresno, we have Clovis, and like they always have something going on. So whenever there's in cool. any type of event, I do try to pop in and check it out and see what's going on. And then I also do social media for the hackerspace so i have to kind of be on top of like what's what's happening in tower because that's where they are and it really kind of keeps me up to date on everything and sure our art collective like group stuff like they're always telling me about stuff that's going on so i kind of feel like there's so much i can't even like go to all of yeah. them it's good. probably it's a little overwhelming really at times i i'm happy i'm glad i'm I, for a while it was so stagnant it was depressing and I, I started hosting these mixers so people can just come and not work because at vendor events, you can't talk to each other. You can't leave your booth. So we yeah. never really got to know each other. So I did like a non-work mixer where you can just go and hang out and we put art supplies everywhere and everyone was just hanging out. No icebreakers because we're all weird and we can't, artists are so <laughs> weird. <laughs> we can't do stuff like that. So no structure. It was just great. And we want to do more of those when it's a little safer and maybe even online ones. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, so you say you run or help like the social media manager for. Uh, on... Root, Root Access Hackerspace. It's a not-for-profit in Tower that essentially like you get like a really 
really nicely priced membership. Like I think it's like $20 a month and you're able to go and use all the supplies, uh, 3d printers, uh, wood cutters, like, um, sewing machines. There's a whole lounge full of video games. If you just want to come after work and like relax, there's a conference room. There's a huge printer. There's, wow. I mean, there's an endless, it's cricket machines, endless, endless supply of stuff. And it's all donation based and community centered and like, they help people and they'll teach you how to use all of those things. So you're not just flying blind and need to know how to make, you know, a resin 3d print. They'll be like, Oh yeah, we can train you on it. That's awesome. Yeah. Now that's great. <laughs> you have your, your, the collective you're currently working on and then you have the sad babes club. Now is that, the sad babes club. Is that just you? It's just me. I'm, just you. <laughs> I'm the saddest member. <laughs> oh, hey, I like your shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you you have this other social media. That's a lot of social media you're going through. I mean, do you post for everything every day or, or I, I you try? I post everything every day. I actually used to run like social media for a local tattoo shop that my friend owned and for a local restaurant that was having a difficult time during COVID having a social media presence. So I would go in and do photographs and videos of their food and just for like a whole year work for them until they were able to hire their own SEO person. And that was a lot, but I feel like when you are an artist and a small business owner, um, you tend to say yes to everything, even if you get overwhelmed and you just keep going. Also, I have ADHD, so I don't think I can ever just not do something ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like clinical ADHD. I'm like, like, it's not like a trend. Like I actually do. And it's very frustrating sometimes. <laughs> it's not quirky, but like, I can't ever just turn my brain off. So I keep it busy. Yeah. I, uh, I have a tendency to put as much on my plate as possible just because I, I like being busy. And so I, like I, I do a zine once a, once a month and I just finished this one today, the last day of the month. Um, and it's, I do a sketch a day for the entire month and I also write in it and I interview artists and I, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And then I do all the social media for my own work and then we're doing the collective now and it, it gets a little overwhelming, but I, I think that it's it's worth it because I know in the end it's it's definitely going to lead to something great. So, um, but yeah, it gets a little. You know, it it taught me to accept help and and uh, integrate with my community because a lot of the time, I especially for my shop, obviously I have to do it by myself. Like I'm a sole proprietor; I don't have anybody working for me, and um, that part gets a little bit lonely. I have like a pretend skull that is my coworker <laughs> hang out with. His name's Stab. Um, but for the other stuff, I'm like, I, why do I have to do this by myself? Like, of course, I should ask my friends for feedback. I should, you know, have a FaceTime with some people when I get a little bit stressed and ask them for help because I, I used to just not do that and I would isolate myself and it didn't help my creative flow at all and it didn't make me want to do what I do. Yeah, we have uh, the the paint the fucking world discord that we, the lounge always has somebody in it, you know, and it's nice. We have a couple different lounges that we, you know, we have an art lounge then we have a regular lounge. We also have a movie room where people will go in there and stream movies and hang out. And it's nice to be able, you know, with COVID and a lot of us being, uh, you know, spread out across the country, it's nice to be able to kind of, you know, congregate in there and hang out and talk and the mixing of ideas. And it's, it's been really a really positive thing. And as a single or not a single parent, but I, I'm a 
full-time parent, being able to have a place to go in and hang out while my wife's at work uh, and not just talk to my three-year-old is kind of great. Have an adult conversation. Sometimes I forget that I can do that because, I mean, my son is like 12 going on 40, but every once in a while, he's like, you're still a kid and I really can't bring any of this stuff up. (laughs) Like, I have to find an adult to talk to. Yeah, my husband, no, like, he's always in the office. He's meetings, meetings, meetings. He's, I don't, he's like a programmer. So, okay. I don't know what any of that means. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like we were talking earlier, I, I'm, I'm technologically inept. Um, so, <laughs> let, let's take a, take a step back in time here. Um, you know, most people I talk to, they say they've been creating artwork since childhood, but when did you really start taking your artwork serious? Since childhood. <laughs> like, Since childhood. So my dad, my biological father, um, I was not close to him as a teenager and adult, but in childhood, he, even though he was like heavily on drugs, heavily drinking, he was an artist. He would constantly throw me in situations with art supplies where he, I mean, he was pretty negligent, but most of the time, you know, at least give me some art supplies and he, I think that might have been the only time that he was proud of me. So I felt like it was very important to me. And he was, um, as a profession, when he did have a job, he was a grave digger and he engraved tombstones for a living. So he did the artwork on a lot of tombstones. He even did his own parents' um, tombstones when he worked there. So I would be in the cemetery all the time looking at these like beautiful works of art, essentially marking somebody's passing, heavily inspired by it. And he would put my artwork all over his garage when he was working on his Harley and hanging out with his buddies. And he would be like, my kid did that and just made me feel good. So ever since then, even though he and I clearly didn't have a relationship as I was older, because I was like, oh, you are literally on drugs. It's not healthy to be around you. It's not positive sure. as an influence. I didn't want my kid around him. So we were just like estranged. But I did carry that into like every aspect of my childhood. And my mom was like very helpful she put me in theater arts. She, you know, she let me go to the playground and sing my guts out, even though it was embarrassing. I ended up being in a band when I was older. So she's like, well, I'm glad I let you do that because I couldn't do anything else. We we're broke, like dirt poor, but the best thing I could do is take you on the swings and let you sing and draw all over the ground and chalk and just, you know, make art. <laughs> that's pretty much the only joy from my childhood. So that that's, that's awesome. I, you know, it, I, I, I kind of similar to like how I started, like I, I was really young and my mom would take me to art classes. She would drive me to the next town over and um, yeah. And I, I was in a band when I was younger and sang all the time and very, very similar to my story as well um, with uh, obvious differences, but you know, I, that's cool that you've been taking your artwork serious for a long, long time. I mean, it, it's something you've had a passion for clearly for since childhood. I don't think I've ever wanted to do anything professionally besides that. I've, I've worked so many different kinds of jobs from gas stations to selling wine at BevMo to literally working in a sweatshop for a while as a single mother to try to make ends meet, like everything. But I've always come back to making art and I just finally said, fuck it, I'm going to make it my full-time job and I don't care how broke I am. This is going to work out. And I, sometimes we struggle and sometimes we have good months and my husband has a nine to five and that really helps us out. But I would never go back to the shit I was doing before. I just wouldn't. I could, I, I, my soul would just die. 
Yeah. Um, I think being a full-time artist is very much living with the ebb and the flow and, and accepting that, you know, some months you don't make a dime, some months you make enough for three. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's, that's why it, you have to price your art. <laughs> what yeah. What you're talking about. It's so, so Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, listen to you talk about your, your artwork in your childhood. How has your art changed from then? Seems like uh, a lot of the stuff I see is very creature feature with, I've seen some uh, gravestones and things like that in your, your recent art, but it seems like that's been something that's been a, a reoccurring motif throughout your, your uh, art career. <laughs> so um, I do, I actually haven't done a whole lot of my own art for my shirts, unfortunately. Like I have really bad like arthritis. But my concepts, like I'll sketch it out and I'll tell my artists that I hire what okay. I want and we'll go back and forth. So for example, the creature tee that you're wearing, I, I commissioned Austin Pardon to do it. He does vintage Halloween designs. I was heavily inspired by vintage Halloween growing up. I have um, universal monster card collections like from childhood that I used to just, I, we didn't have like TV because we're broke. So like when we, the black box would get shut off. Um, that's like when you steal cable, but like they would come around and zap it. So when I didn't have anything to watch it do, I would just sit there and like make up stories in my head about all these little monsters, like Wolfman, Invisible Man, like the fly and like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like I totally was like in love with Frankenstein, like every single one of those movie monsters, like I, I loved and I grew up with horror movies and I, I'm heavily inspired by Halloween. And it's like literally I, I find I find my people when I get involved with that community. It really feels good to bring it to life on shirts because it's like wearable art and the artists, like when I, yeah. when I contacted Austin Pardon and I told him, I want a creature from the black lagoon doing a kick flip over the swamp. And he goes, got it working on it right away. I totally know what you mean. I have it in my head. And when he came back to me with the concept, I was like, yes, that's thank you. Because I couldn't have imagined it better. Like, but and he I, was I, like, oh, what, what made you think of that? I was like, I literally dreamed about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I like that. you and I are kindred spirits because, uh, I mean, I, I do Halloween art every single month or every day throughout the month. Like, my, my latest zine I just released is all Scooby Doo. Oh, that's so cool. My brother would love that. He loves Scooby Doo. So I did a, a mystery new... machine in our town recently. Oh, that's so cool. My daughter and I have uh, a bond for Scooby-Doo. My, my daughter lives with her mom, so that's a whole whole story in itself. But, you know, when she would come to visit, that's what we would do. Dad would make her chicken nuggets and steak fries and homemade ranch, and we would sit and watch Scooby-Doo in color. That's, that's just best. one of the things that it's a, a fond memory that we always have together. I mean, she's 16, and we still do that. So... Um, you know, when I was doing my, my monthly zines where it's a new Halloween character or a theme every month, um, I, I was like, oh, I'm doing Scooby-Doo. Like, I have to. It's just, it's so relevant uh, it, through almost every generation. So, yeah, yeah I, I, that's, that's so cool. I, I, I was checking out your artwork beforehand because Marco was like, I, we're going to have Robin from the Sad Babes Club. And I'm like, I don't know much about her artwork, so I got to go find out and I got to check it out and yeah, I really, really like your, your art. It, it's very punk as well. And I, somebody I'm had mentioned. Say, I, I am, I've raised punk. My parents used to go to Dead Kennedy shows. I've been punk since birth. <laughs> it feels good. I, that's part of the art community. 
It's part Hell of yeah. being yes. a good person and making things yourself. And if I can't, if I can't make myself, I will hire an artist and I will pay them and I will tip them and I will tag them and I will get them more work. Like I, I do not gate keep my artists at all. I want them to be so busy. They, they can't, you know, get a commission from, you know, me. I want them to be like, sorry, you have to wait three months. Cause I'm so backed up. I have so many jobs. Cause that makes me feel good. That means the artists yeah. that I want to hire are worthy and like great and they're when they do find time to make art for me they're it's a passion of theirs and not just a money maker you know yeah oh, yeah when I, I do make art though like not to say i don't i i tend to focus on like collage pieces i've done oil painting i've been in art shows i'm i was a professional photographer for many years but doing portraits really killed that passion but now i've been back out doing plant photography landscape and building photography and it's really rekindled my love of photography and editing and i want to i actually want to get my kid like a, a disposable camera and he and i go take like mural photos downtown because that's something he's been wanting to do and i'm like oh yeah and then you know i have a friend that can develop them for us so it should be fun but like i i, I have a lot of weird art <laughs> i don't know if it would work for my shop but it definitely makes me happy to create it just for me you know i I did photography for years and years and years. I did band photography and it was, I never made any money. I always got free merch and the bands loved my, my photos and they would use them. But, you know, being a photographer is very, very hard to make a decent living from. And I got so burnt out that I have, you know, I have a really, really expensive, nice camera that I rarely even take out. I, it's just something that I I do everything on my phone these days. Like I have a Canon. It's so 7D. easy. It's easy yeah. to do on your phone. I'm, there's nothing wrong with it. If I tell people all the time when they're like, "How do you do product photography?" Because they'll come to me and ask because mine, I not to toot my own horn, but like beep beep, my shit's pretty cool. And like they're like, "How do you da 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 da?" I'm just like, "All right, just get your phone camera." They're like, "You did that with your phone camera?" I'm like, "Yeah," because I don't have time to take the photo, put it in Lightroom work on this, work on that, because I have 13 other jobs I have to do. So when I do photography on my good camera, it's for me. And I make the time to edit and I sit down and that's for me. And sometimes I do sell my prints at like art hop and stuff. And I would like to eventually get back into that. But right now my focus is on so many different things. Like, like I, I have an internship coming up next month for screen printing. My screen printer that does my shirts is teaching me how to do my own. Awesome. Which, if you think about it, that's a pretty big risk on his part because he could lose me as a client when I learn what I need and buy my own equipment, but he's willing to sure. take that risk because he believes in my business and he wants to retire in a few years and fingers crossed I could buy his equipment and just do it all yeah. myself and help we have, small businesses. Yeah, we have a, a, a good friend in the Discord who does screen prints and Green Rabbit Press oh, and okay. it, they don't screen print shirts, they do like actual prints. I just watched a video of theirs that did, they did um, silver on velvet bags. And I was yeah. so interested to see like what's going to go in them. Like I've been following <laughs> them. <laughs> I was like, wow. Yes. They, they're, Josh and Nicole are like amazing. They're my screen printing power duo. Uh, I, I love them both. They're just great people and, and they're so knowledgeable and, and willing to give up the knowledge to anybody who asks, which is really and cool. It was so hard to find a screen printer because of that. Like nobody wants to share who they get their work done by. And it's so frustrating because I was just like, I, I'm not going to do your designs. I just want to hire somebody for my business. But then when I found Jim from Dynamic Inc, he's local. 
he's great i he literally does all of it out of his garage like he's such a sweetheart like everyone in my family loves him i send him cookies like all the time and like nice and, but i tag him and everything whenever somebody needs a screen printer i say this is who you go to like i can't believe people will gatekeep stuff like that i'm like come on like there's enough yeah. for everybody yeah i don't understand that like when i first moved up here to alaska um, I was actually very overjoyed that the artist community was like really big and uh, people like at all of the um, all the events around here, you know, there's a lot of different artists with do, that do different mediums. And there was one that I instantly loved their style. And I was like, oh, man, their stuff is so cool. And um, I was intrigued on how they did certain things. They did like all over print sweaters. And this was before I even got into the garment game. So I didn't even anything about printing on shirts the, the what the styles of doing it the the different uh, versions that you could do right so i was like full on and um so what i wanted to do was, or I, I went up to him and i asked him it's like hey where do you get your hoodies done because i really like your style i really like your hoodies and they were like oh uh you know like just it, it's a it's a print shop and i'm like okay cool but like like I got are they local? Much. Like we're, <laughs> I, you know, they're they're in California, you know, San Diego, and I'm like, okay, um, like, can you? Do you have like a business card? Can I ask you? Like, I I, I know I, I want to get some of my stuff printed. You know, like I just started asking them all these questions, and with it, and it wasn't just that. Yeah. yeah, like for real, it was not just their um their hoodies or their uh sweatpants or anything but it was their prints just their prints alone okay uh because i didn't actually start selling my art until like two years or so after i uh, moved up here so it, it was even just a simple question of where do you get your prints made i could not get a single answer out of this person and so finally first of all i was really sad because i really liked their artwork and i really liked their product but when somebody comes up to me like that, and even, regardless of whether I like their stuff or not, and I'm just like, okay, um, I'm sorry, but I don't really like your your attitude, and I really wish you were more supportive. Um, I'm not going to support you, and I'm probably never going to work with you. So I'm never going to own any other merch, even though I would like to. You know, it's like I'm not. That gatekeeping, I know a lot of it stems from artists not wanting their art stolen or copied and i understand but if you are putting art out your shit's gonna get stolen and it's gonna suck and it's gonna hurt and your feelings are gonna hurt and you're gonna want to yell and scream and whatever and like i i mean the sad babes club itself i went through the whole process of trademarking it and having a lawyer and all this and i know my shit's gonna get stolen and it's gonna suck but i just at the end of the day I'm still making what I make and I'm going to keep going and doing it. I'm going to keep helping people and giving people the right resources to get their stuff made because without more wonderful art out in the world and small business owners, the billionaires and corporations and soulless machines are just going to crush us. It's already bad enough. So why do we have to make it harder on each other when we could just not be dicks? Like exactly. <laughs> I don't understand that. Like just tell somebody where you got it printed. They're not going to print the same shit as you. And if they do, you're like, <laughs> I uh we have our Saturday market here during the like the spring and summer and there was an artist that was selling one of his art books and I had picked one up and had him sign it and I was like just out of curiosity where do you get the, these made and he's like I'm sorry I can't talk talk about it my publisher won't allow it and I was like really 
I, I, you know, it's there's no publishing marks in it, so I'm not understanding. And it pissed me off to the point where I was like, "Fuck, I wish I didn't buy this." Yeah, <laughs> you're like, cool. Like, like I, I, like if if you if I had been rude to you, Marco, like you probably would have been like, "Fuck the sad babes club." Like, you got, I'll give you something to be sad about. I'm not gonna buy your shit because like that's mean. Like, why are you being mean to people? I mean, I get like kind of being defensive or like you want to feel proud of what you do so you don't want it to be like taken from you and you want the credit because you work hard on it but you know what you did like right. no no one else is going to make you feel good about yourself and if you're looking for other people to do that for you and then you start being weird about it like it's not going to make you feel better you're just going to be very defensive all the time and then I some always, people they just think they're hot shit and like that's cool or whatever but like we all die so my philosophy <laughs> on this is people that gatekeep are insecure about their own art mm -hmm. and i i'm not in a competition with a single artist nope. i'm in a competition with myself the day when, the day before me the me from yesterday that's the only yeah. person i compete with i i have a lot of people ask me what my favorite piece is i always say my next one and yeah, you, it's exciting to think about what's to come because you've already done what's done like what, what's yeah what's, i mean i i'm consistently trying to push myself in a new direction if somebody was to steal my art i would probably be completely flattered that they liked it enough to steal it i have had one piece stolen off a wall where i was displaying kind of pissed me off but i was like I, they liked it enough to steal it yeah, so, but like, I, mean, I feel like if somebody did that, I'd be like, you could have just asked me. Kind of probably yeah. would have given it to you. Because I have yeah. given people prints before just because like they didn't have my, especially young people. Yeah, have, absolutely. Like, and stuff. I'm like, just take it. And just like right. tag me in it for, you know, to help me out. But like, if you don't have to. And the, uh, it sucks, but the only time it's ever hurt me where somebody's like stolen like a concept or an idea that I worked really hard on and like were like friends that just they I didn't realize they weren't my friends I, I didn't yeah. realize they were just kind of like glomming on to me to get a little bit of like notoriety or clout or whatever I'm not that I'm like super popular but like I mean I try to be open about who I am and a lot of people like me because of that and I think that's because I'm not a dick and like then they turn around and they kind of do the same thing and I'm just like man like you're not even passionate about what you're doing you're just trying to make money and get a little attention like that's not longevity because you're never gonna love what you're doing if you do that like you gotta yeah. find something you love to do. Otherwise, you're—I mean—you're just gonna be doing the same shit and being unhappy. You might have a dollar in your pocket, but what's that gonna get you at the end of the day? With the amount of money that I make a month, uh, I, I have to love what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> you gotta love something about it. <laughs> no, I, I have to be passionate about it. Because, like I said, there are some months where I don't make a dime. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's just the harsh reality of what it's like being an, an artist. There's a lot of, I, I listen to this podcast called um, Clean Break. I don't know if you ever heard about it. It's an art and business podcast. It's, it's very informative. I glean a lot of information from it. I'm gonna take a but the reoccurring theme that I hear in that podcast all the time is you have to eat a lot of shit before you succeed. Makes sense. Yeah. You kind of you know. just, and then you put a lot of money back into your business if you have a small business and you don't see yeah. any of it and you're yeah. in the red for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's very yeah. sad. <laughs> Unless you, know, you get it, lucky and have an investor. But even then, 
I, that, and that's what I started doing videos on TikTok about how things get produced or how I get them produced because a lot of people will message me and be like, oh, you're out of this tea. Can you get one printed? And I'm like, I don't do like pre-orders unless I know that my printer's like, hey, these are like two days out. And I'm just like, okay, I need to make enough money to like pay for the shipping for when I do sell more. And I've only done that like two times and I only do limited like five or six, seven shirts maybe. But most of the time it's ready to ship in my hands. I know I have it. And I order them in batches based on how many colors there are with a local screen printer. So I can't do like a one-off shirt for you until I learn how to screen print. That's what, that's one of the reasons I want to do it. Cause I'd like to do like a one-off crazy shirt on some flannels or like some vintage pieces that I find. Cause I have a lot of friends that do vintage, like um, reselling and stuff like in collections mm-hmm. and they've talked to me about it. I'm like, yeah, that'd be dope. Like when I learn how to do it and I don't suck, but like for right now, I can't just give you one shirt because that's not how it works. He has to order the, the blanks and he has to order the ink and you have to set it all up. And then I have to pay for, you know, at the minimum of like 25 shirts or 50 shirts, mm-hmm. depending on the colors. And that's yeah. just the way it is. He's broken it down for costs for me too. And he gives me all of the deal. And I still don't make that much money because I don't, unfortunately I don't price myself the way I'm supposed to. I feel bad now, but like, I really should. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I don't know. You actually, good. you actually reminded me about something that just recently happened. It goes with what you were just saying and then what we were talking about before with the whole like art stealing and stuff. Yeah. This actually has nothing to do with art stealing, but it was it was just so phenomenal to me. It like melted my heart, okay? So a local person apparently bought one of my t-shirts with my Mother Earth uh, graphic on it, right? It was a small and either didn't fit them, didn't like it. It was a gift for somebody and they didn't, I don't know, but it ended up in a secondhand store, which... I'm okay with. I don't care. Somebody paid for it. Somebody yeah. bought it. They said they didn't want it. Cool. You still, yeah, you still got the money for it. It's cool. Right. And it's out there. But the cool part is that my shirt got a second chance at life because somebody locally that does exactly that, you know, does goes secondhand storing and then they, they uh, put stuff on flannels and resells it, literally found my shirt and I, I press my own neck tags and yeah, I put my website. I put my website on the neck tag right so this person went to my website found me on instagram and messaged me and asked me hey can i use this on a flannel and i was like wait wait For what even and, ask you that is cool because most people yes do it and resell it exactly. that's, that's their right you know they can do what they want it's like yard sale law or whatever but like that's pretty pretty polite and kind oh, it was so freaking cool yeah, I, like, that's okay. what I said. I was like, wow, the fact that they asked you is baffling because, I mean, if they find a shirt in a store, you know, that's it, it's like a wearable, wearable piece of artwork. So whatever they do with it is their choice. Uh, you know, they purchased it at that point. But the fact that they reached out is really cool and just says a lot about that person as an artist. Yeah. Um, and it's like somebody that we definitely want to associate with. Yeah. Yes, you know, and so and that, it, I actually ended up telling them. I actually ended up telling them exactly what you just said, Tyler. It was like I was like, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out to me, but you can do whatever you want with that shirt. I got what I needed out of it, and now you get to do something with it because you paid for it fair and square. That's exactly what I said. 
but she was like, they were keeping me up to date with everything. They're like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is the flannel I want to put on it. And it was just really cool. Cause she was, they were, they were like asking me what, what I thought or whatever. And then once they put it on the, on the shirt, not only did they put their markings, their tags and all that stuff, but they went and cut out my tag and put it That's on the shirt as well. I was like, what? And they tagged me on Instagram. They tagged me on like their Facebook. It was, it was awesome. So I was like, okay, new friend. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But yeah, that's, no, and that's they, how they, it should be. We should be supporting each other with that level of like care and integrity. But I, you know, it is, it is their choice to do whatever they want and you can't get upset. Mm -hmm. But like it does when things like that happen, it really does feel good. Yeah. I, I mean, when the, the way this podcast kind of evolved was well, after I did my first zine, I wanted to start featuring artists. So I, I did the, the second one and I just sent a cold creep. Stephanie was in my second one. I love her um, so much. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, yes, uh, she's been, uh, her and I have been friends on TikTok like almost since I joined. So like a year and a half, I, I've been watching her work and I, and I just love it because it's very much akin to what I do. She, um, um, she doesn't know this, but there was a time when I first started Sad Babes, um, my partner that I had started it with split. Um, it was not a fun or exciting time. And I don't want to talk about that because it's negative and I don't want to bad mouth people, but um, sure. it sucked. It was a bummer. And I had tried doing some TikToks and tried to get myself back into the hype and been like, you know, I, I can do this. I can do this. And then there was like a day where I was just like, I think I might just sell all my stuff and quit. And Stephanie friended me and made an order that day. And it was the first order I had had in like three months. And I just sobbed. I was just like crying at my desk, like crying, like, okay, I don't fucking suck. Like this, for some reason, like she made me feel like I could do it. And she was so kind. Like she commented on my videos. She really engaged in conversation. She wasn't just like a one-off, like, oh, cool. I like your shirt. Like she was very passionate about trying to be friendly and supportive and just, a, she's, she's a good one. She really is. And absolutely. It, after that I day, did. I really was just like, fuck, like I can do this. Like I just needed that little boost. And she just, she gave me that little molecule of serotonin that kept me in the game. So thank you. Wow. That, that it's, that's so cool to hear. I mean, um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm so blessed. Like I, I handwrite every note when somebody buys something from me. Like and I always just I send them a thank you because it's so it means a lot to me that they 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 liked my art enough to purchase it. Um, and and Stephanie has always been a supporter of mine. And for me to feature her in a zine, like because we're doing a giant collab right now with 11 artists and I was just going to feature all those artists throughout the year. And I was only going to do one, but then I, I, I was scrolling through TikTok and I saw Stephanie and I was like, Oh no, fuck. I got to do two. Yeah. I have to do two. Her work's so, like literally right behind me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that the Donnie Darko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, that she sent me. Yeah, so like I was just like I wanted to feature her and I reached out and she was so cool and I sent her this list of questions and she like went so above and beyond answering them that I was only going to do like one small article and then a, the picture that they submitted. I ended up giving her three pages worth because I was like, there's just so much good content in here and what she had to say 
was just so cool and exciting, you know, talking about her paranormal stuff. And I was like, oh, this, I can't, I can't limit it to two. I have to do three. As and a then cemetery we, kid, I love her paranormal stuff because I'm like, I yeah. don't want. I know that. Yeah. I know we're kind of getting off topic from you, but I think, you know, it's it's definitely they're meant to change the world. I I genuinely believe Stephanie is one of those artists that is gonna change the world. I do. I feel like it. And I feel like we all kind of get that vibe from her. So I don't mind. Yeah, Marco and I were talking about moving to Arizona so we could do the punk rock flea market with her because I want to go and do that with her. I've told her I'm making it a like I want to go and meet her in Arizona this year. And she was like, Well, I want to come to California. And I was like, Well, maybe we'll just hang out twice. There yeah. you go. Yeah, like um, group group uh, thing, meet up. Yeah, I mean yeah. So when I we we just we featured Stephanie, I believe, this month as well. And it's such a great conversation to be able to talk to her. So, you know, and then when she found out you were going to be the next guest, she was really excited. And I was like, this is perfect. This is great. Um, yeah. So, I, was, I was mentioning, I was like, how, how, uh, how crazy that, that you guys are going to be in the same, at the, in the same month. But uh, real quick, I want to, I want to throw that out there. Like see every, to everyone that's actually listening, that is the importance right there of supporting each other because I honestly found Robin through Stephanie on one of her posts. It was, it was, um, it was, uh, I forgot what exactly it was. It, it, it must've been one of your t-shirts because I instantly was like, who is this? You know, I clicked on the thing, went over to your Instagram and instantly was like, Oh nope, I love it. I love it. And then I saw what I did see was exactly. If you don't mind Tyler, no, something that I actually like to get into yeah. is it's actually a question I had. What I saw um, was it was a video about you putting your stuff in a store called Abracadabra, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so not only was I instantly interested in your art and like um, I, I loved it and wanted some of your merch, which I was sad to learn that your at the time your shop wasn't up on on the your website wasn't up. I was like, damn it, I gotta wait. <laughs> But glad you did. It was I, worth it, right? <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely. I got two shirts out of it, man. <laughs> I had a lot of fun packaging your stuff. It made me very happy. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad. But the question is, um, and actually, it was the initial question I had asked you was, I had asked you like, how did you do that? What what was like the how would you tell somebody to get into like a shop like that? Cause you have your merchandise in an actual store. Yeah. And you went off and told me all this information that I wasn't expecting, which was great. And I instantly was like, I love this person. Like she, this, she's awesome. She's cause you didn't know me. You did not owe me anything. And just the fact that you opened up that much was kind of my mindset and what I try to do as well, because when I'm out there hustling, Anybody doesn't matter what age comes up to me and asks me a question, I will I will base almost like lose sales just because I would rather explain to this person how to make money. I know it's very bad business practice, but I'm like this guy's interested or this individual is interested not only in my art but how to do this. These yeah. people might buy something, and again, I know it's very bad business practice, but just the fact that they have that wanting to, right? And that's how I felt when you were talking to me. So. First of all, for the people that are interested, how how would you like tell somebody um, to go about doing that? Well, so 
Abracadabra is a shop actually based in my hometown. It's about an hour away from where I live. Um, owned by a crazy weirdo named Sarah, who I love. <laughs> um, uh, and she, she had like a lot of very like interesting, weird oddity stuff, vintage stuff. And I really meshed well with her shop. And I had done a couple of pop-ups like outside of her shop. She had bought some of my stuff. We got to talking and she had a partner at the time move out and have like literally across the street open their own shop and so they could spread out and i was like are you subleasing space because i would rent space here and put my stuff here and she was like yeah i was gonna try to look for some people and i so i rent and i pay every month i and i'm happy to say i make way more than my rent which is great um she lets me merchandise it how i want it's kind of like my own little sad babes corner and I take lots of video and photos and I go and fill it myself and she helps me keep inventory and she just charges me rent. And the tiny bit is like tax that it takes for her to like put things in a bag because she has to like buy the bags and stuff like I don't sure. provide them. But if I wanted to, I'm sure she wouldn't charge me because she's just kind. But if you want to put your stuff in a place, there are so many different options to do it. If you can't find somewhere to sublease or if you can't afford the rent of sublease, I would recommend looking for like, especially if you're an artist, looking for like a local music store or art store or weird what your local weird shop candle store whatever you gravitate towards something you enjoy and see if they will do consignment because that's a great way to start even just to get your stuff out there you won't make 100 percent of what you would sell it for normally but say you sell a bunch of stickers there and you make 60 percent of what you would normally make. They get 40% for hosting your stuff and providing the tags and providing the bags and selling it. And you get that 60%, but then they also just sold your stuff in a store and people are going to remember that. And they're going to be like, oh, you're out of those stickers I like. And they're going to be like, oh yeah, they have an online shop. Oh, they have an Instagram. Here's their card. And eventually you can find a place to sublease. And my goal is to have my own brick and mortar someday where I'm doing screen printing out the back, helping other small businesses, running an art closet, I, too many goals, but you know, like I could go on forever. But um, that's how I did it. I, you just gotta take a chance. If somebody laughs in your face, laugh harder because you will find your niche, you will. You'll find your corner of the universe. It's your corner, it's nobody else's corner. You make space for yourself, spread out. Don't let anybody make you feel small, spread out because no one's gonna do it for you. Yeah. I, I I absolutely love everything you just said. Um, I, I, I've actually, I, I have prints in, in my local comic book store. They, they purchased a bunch of prints off me, and I completely forgot about that. But they purchased them outright and then put their own price tag on. Like wholesale. Okay, that's another yeah. option, right? Wholesale yeah. is great. I actually am looking into doing wholesale in the future when I have more items because I'm screen printing them myself. And a couple local places have asked me already. But it's because I've gotten my stuff out there with consignment first, and then That's sublease. Good stuff, man. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, have you found that this uh, doing this, taking this step, and taking this chance has allowed you to expand your business further? Oh, a hundred percent. I do not regret it. One day, I was I was nervous for about fourteen seconds, and then I got an email from Sarah the next day saying, "Oh, you already sold," da, 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 and that gave me a boost because I might not sell something every day, but when I do sell something, they tag me on Instagram, they tag me on Twitter, they tag me on TikTok, they make videos of my stuff. They'll do like a little, "Oh, I got this at Abracadabra, and she has an online shop," and I'm just like, these people that don't even live in the same town as me see my stuff and wear it. And then there are people that come to Merced because it's like the gateway to Yosemite is their motto. 
they come from out of town, stop in Merced. You see Merced students come and, and see it. And before you know it, you just have this tiny little, the Sad Babes Club is growing. There's more Sad Babes everywhere. There's, <laughs> we're all sad sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of, of Sad Babes, how did that name come about? Yeah. Well, ironically, um, a group of friends and I were going to have a podcast together over the pandemic. Um, a lot of us are not friends anymore, unfortunately. It sucks, but that's the way it goes sometimes, especially sure. when you're not like physically close. People grow apart. But um, they were trying to like brainstorm name brainstorm names, and I threw out the Sad Babes Club because I was like, we're all sad, we're all like babes, everyone's a babe, like guys, girls, whatever. Sure. And we were like, oh yeah, that works. And then like we did one episode, and everyone dropped out. And then like one of my friends was like, you, I mean, that's you thought of the name. Why don't you just do something with it? Like I had already had a small shop that was like loosely disney based i really like disney maybe not as much now but I, I used to love it and like i was making handmade items and stickers and i was like i would like to gravitate away from that and do things that i personally am more interested in and aren't like happy and peaceful and cutesy because that's not really me like i'm i've always been kind of like weird <laughs> I, guess I, I would say I, I would say your aesthetic is very is very punk rock, which I, I love. You know, I mean, you got eyeballs hanging from your ears right now, which is right. <laughs> oh, my friend Craftsylvania made. She's my earring dealer. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, now I know that Colt Creep had brought up like I, I guess that kind of segues into another question that that uh, Stephanie had, had asked about. How do you deal with um, you know? mental illness or not mental illness per se, but like keeping your, your mental wellness up and in times like this, I know that as an artist, it's almost like expected that you have almost manic episodes where you're high and low. And, and um, honestly, it's extremely difficult. It is. It's very hard. And um, the more I push myself, the harder it is to come back from those low days and those low points but I just try to let myself feel like shit. And that's honestly, we're, we're especially the generation I'm from, we're immersed in this culture of like self care and be happy and positive vibes. And I'm just like, look, sometimes you just feel like shit and there's nothing wrong with just owning it and allowing yourself to feel like shit some days because there's not a magical quote from the internet that's going to cure that. And there's not like, you can't sprinkle fairy dust on everything. Like sometimes you just gotta feel like shit. That's what the, my whole motto, like my, well, my unofficial motto for my shop is it's okay to cry because I tell my son all the time, I don't want him raised with toxic masculinity. And my husband tries to show him emotions that are raw and real and original and like show him that it's okay to express them. So yeah, it is okay to cry. It is okay to feel like shit. It's okay to have a bad day. Because someday it won't be like that. You have to go yeah. through those times. And those times, they're going to teach you a lot about yourself. And that's not for anybody else. You don't owe anybody anything. You owe yourself. And you're with yourself 24 hours a day. Nobody else is. So if yeah. you're feeling like shit, go ahead. Like, I give, I'm me, Robin, I'm giving you permission. Feel like shit. It's okay. Tomorrow is a new day. You're, you made it 100% of the way through all the other days that you felt like shit. I guarantee you'll make it through this one. You just got to give yourself a chance. Yeah, you know, it's a, it, I think as a creative, like I said, it's almost like a, a preconceived notion you have to have those manics. And um, 
I'm very much somebody who does, and I and I do wear my heart on my sleeve, and I am not afraid to cry at all. Like I, I'm a, I, I stay away from sad movies because I, I'm a blubbering idiot, and so I'm like, hard, I, I, I just that's that's who I am. So I just don't want to be that person. And I have things in my life that it may correlate to that trigger me into those. You know, my my wife makes fun of me, and she's she does it less now that she understands a little <laughs> bit of my triggers and things like that. But she's definitely has made fun of me in the past for it. But that you know, the, the whole toxic masculinity thing is definitely uh, it's a hard thing for a lot of men to get over I, because it's not okay to to um, be yourself to be yourself. And like, I, I love that. You said something that really struck me because when I read the Sad Babes Club, I instantly it, it seems feminine to me. But you said what you said there is we're all babes, you know, man, woman, and I was like, oh, okay, because I, I, it's that that toxic masculinity that we're just programmed to to Except think about that babe all the time. Is girl. And like yeah. that's something that I like. I like for um for a long time. I haven't had time recently. I make like feminine hygiene products that are reusable, washable, and better for the environment. And a lot of people were like, oh, you're just making feminine products. But I'm like, technically, they're not feminine products because transgender people can use them too. Not, right. you know, non-binary people use them. And to put a gender on a piece of cloth is insane to me because I don't give a shit who wears my stuff. As long as it's not like some fucking Nazi, I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> Come no, on. I, 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 saying that people that wear makeup, right? Because that's what those are usually meant for, right? It's a clean up makeup. Uh, people oh, yeah, that only wear makeup is feminine. My son uses them. He, that's what, he has a skincare yeah. routine and he's like, oh, mom, make me some heart shaped ones. Make me some blah, blah, blah shaped ones. And he picks out the fabric and my husband uses them. They're great. They're And they're good for the environment. There you go. I mean, I have a 16 year old daughter that I have made quite clear to her that whatever she needs she is you know she can come and talk to me about anything exactly and, that's how it should be yeah right and if you need me to pick you up from something from the store i will go do that i have no problem doing that i am uh, um forgive the 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 phrase but i am comfortable enough with my sexuality that i can do any of that stuff and it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all well i think um, it's just weird that we as a society have this like like fascination with like shaming women or people who have periods um for having them because i'm like it's not you can't just like turn it off like, like it's, yeah, it's, i don't it's understand been like that, that either time man like and it's, <laughs> exactly the population's gonna have a vagina like deal with it <laughs> well and and as a you know a single father for a long time with my daughter i mean yes she was her mom but that's something that i i had to be like versed in for her you know when if she came and that, that that happened why you know her first time why she was in my house i would have to to deal with that and i can't freak out you know i gotta right. be i gotta be that support system for her for her so you know and it, it, i i don't know how it's a completely natural part of life yeah people experience it and they can't they don't have a choice and the other, other people that don't experience it should just treat it like it's as normal as having I don't know, like watching TV or eating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's literally just part of life. Like, yeah, 
<laughs> I'm sure people are listening and going, wow, that took a real big turn, but, but I don't really <laughs> no, care. But, but really funny is, that was the- is, is making sure that people understand that my stuff yeah. isn't real stuff just because it has the word babe. I like that you brought that up because I've, there's one of my one of my friends from high school recently reconnected with me at a vendor event. He's he was I can't even probably like six foot five beard. Ugh, like he's crazy. He has like tattoos on his head. Like he's probably scares the shit out of a lot of people. Not me. I don't care. He was literally the Easter bunny at the mall one year. I don't care. <laughs> he's not scare me. But he bought my stuff. And somebody was telling him like all these terrible things and like talking shit about trans people and talking shit about how he's like feminine for wearing that. And he was like, what? it's literally a hoodie. Like it has a bat on it. It's really cool. <laughs> I don't understand why you're upset. And he's just like the audacity that they even had because like, he probably could have like eaten them first of all. <laughs> second of all like, he's, you know, he won't because he's like a gentle and sweet, but like, it's just crazy that they just decided to pick a fight with him, not not even knowing who he is based on that. And like, and then there's using gay slurs like, uh, that, what? I don't understand that. Like, and even if it, even if someone is gay, why is that any of your business? Like, why do you exactly. inj- interject yourself into people's lives? Read the shirt, move on. If you don't like it, don't like it. Don't wear it then. Keep your eyes yourself. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I have made real clear about my, my TikTok page and, and with the paint the fucking world, it is it it means like this we're, we're we're painting love, we're painting acceptance, and it's more than just the actual physical act of painting. You know, I, I've always said that you know if you're an artist, you're leaving this world a more beautiful place than you found it just by creating art. Yeah, and, the world is shitty enough. Yeah, the right. least we could do is try to make it a little better. Yeah, so I try to make sure that you know everybody feels welcome. And, and it's it's an important thing for me, um, you know, because I grew up, you know, I, not that this is, is direct relation, but I grew up a fat kid, you know. I grew up with that that on my shoulder, you know. I, I've I've been in the situations where I tried to kill myself when I was younger because it was hard, and and it was one of those things that it 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 ate at me and ate at me night after night, and you know, I now I'm. T- Fuck it. I am who I am. You either love me or don't. And I think but that it's important. I was a kid. Been, been in that situation. Nobody should have made you feel that way. That's fucked up and it's sad. And you, you know, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're alive. I thank you. I appreciate that. I, I it, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I feel like a lot of people go through. And knowing that there's support out there, whether it be like a complete stranger, like I've told people, like, hey, you know, this is my number. If you if you need to call somebody or talk to me, like just call me. You know, I, I want to make sure that it, it, one of the things that they pro, that I have a problem with with gatekeeping in this community, and this is my biggest issue is I, I think it's like what thirty three percent higher for for artistic people to commit suicide. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and when you have gatekeepers and people who bully, they don't really know the ramifications of what they could potentially be causing. Right. And, and 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 it's a it's a serious issue. It's and, it's easy to remove yourself from responsibility in the age of technology because it's so easy to type words that you might not even actually mean seriously, but somebody can take them to heart and really feel like mm-hmm. shit about it forever. You don't know what kind yeah. of trauma you can do to somebody else's psyche or what they're going through with just the stroke of a key on a keyboard because you're just being an asshole that day. Yeah, and you know if I see like one of my friends who are having these encounters. 
I don't, I don't confront the bully. I just reach out to my friends, and, you know, and I reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Right. Like if I'm, if I'm gone for six to eight hours, Marco is messaging me. Are you okay? You good? You know, that's the kind of relationship that you we need that, that friendship with people. It's yeah. important to have me and my friends have um, words like check in words. Like if I worry about them, I'm like, hey, what's the phrase? You got to tell me what's going on. And then if they say it, I know it's them. I know they're OK. I know they just need time and space. That's kind of our little like signal to each other. So that way we're not like overdoing it, but we're making sure they know that we're here without having to like <laughs> girl them. Sure. I do tend to girl my friends. That's a cool like, idea. But like. Yeah, bullying, especially at a young age. I mean, it happens as an adult, and it's maybe easier to get, like, just delete the app or whatever, which you shouldn't have to do. But, like, as kids, like, I see it. It's so easy to just write it off as, like, oh, they're just being kids. They'll grow out of it. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. I went to my son's elementary school, and I started a friendship club. I invited all the little kids in during lunch. They gave me a classroom. We just played Legos, and I taught them about how to treat each other, cyberbullying. The school totally allowed me to do that. And it really helped my son make friends because he was being bullied and no one was doing anything about it. And I was like, well, I'm going to do something about it because I have the time right now. And more people should have that stuff at their schools and in communities. And hopefully, you know, that plants a seed in some of those kids' heads that it's not normal to treat each other like shit. Because their parents might not have time to teach them that or they might come from a background where there is a lot of toxic behaviors whether it's masculine or feminine feminine or whatever it's just like I grew up in a household where uh, maybe my parents did love me but I definitely wasn't shown in an appropriate amount or way and the affection was very like few and far between and I had to learn how to love myself and that took a while yeah my kid's not going to go through that you know um when I was in college for I I went to our college and one of the instructors uh kind of I wouldn't say he prided himself on making his students cry, but that was the rumor that went around. And I always thought it was pretty fucked up. Well, you know, I went to college quite a bit later than most kids do. I was, you know, well into my 20s, almost into my 30s. You know, I was a father. I had I had been around the block, to put it that way. But he, you know, he tried bullying me with one of my pieces and it didn't work and you know we have a three-hour class nine people and it's a critique at the end of the the semester and he took took 45 minutes of that class trying to break me down and i finally i got to the point at the after 45 minutes and i said okay you know um i think we're about done uh you know you may be right he goes well i am right and i said that's fine you can feel that way but i'm not wrong and I won't be treated like a child and you cannot degrade my feelings and what I did on here. I said, we're done. And he goes, okay, let's take a break. And he came out to me after or during the break and he goes, are we cool? And I said, yeah, we're fine. You know, you're my instructor. I respect your opinion, but you, you're not going to disregard me either. And I was pissed. I was really, really upset, but it wasn't until about five years ago that I really realized what he was doing. And he wasn't trying to be malicious. He wasn't trying to pick on me specifically. What he was trying to do was prepare his students for a world that's going to break them down and shred their art apart. Because as artists, we put a lot of ourselves into our work. 
Yeah. You know, we and so he was trying to say, this is a safe setting, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your part, your piece, and I'm gonna shred you down, but then I'm gonna take you aside afterwards, and we're gonna talk. Um, so he tried to do it in a, in a, a safe space. And I understand that, but the fact that he felt like he had to do that was kind of sad. Yeah. You know, like yeah. In that kind of society where yes. the art isn't respected, the artist isn't respected. And then the programs are cut first before anything else, but the, yeah. you know, the people who have all the money, they go home and they click on their Netflix. Like that's not art. Like those aren't actors and people that wrote those jokes that you're laughing at and the music that's composed in those TV shows that you're so obsessed with don't come from artists and yes. no, you, no, cut those programs. See how much more fucked up the world is going to get without art yeah. because we're not, but then we have artist collectives that don't let shit like that happen. That's what unionizing artists it should be. Maybe not formally unionizing, but basically at least getting together and saying we're not going to take any more shit from other people and the critiques are sure. going to come from within. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's such a, a weird, weird, weird world. And, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's very sad, sad at times for sure. No, it um, definitely is, man. And your, your name puts it in perspective, you know, because even yeah. though it came from a podcast that by the way, the name still would have fit perfectly. Um, I, I feel like I was definitely speaking my own vibe when I threw that name into the because <laughs> That's how I felt that day, and I did feel like that's something I carry with me a lot. Is I, I am sad sometimes, and a lot of the time, but I manage it the way that I do. So what I really like about the name is when I first read it and thought about it, and we we're talking about like you know masculine and feminine and all that stuff. I actually got none of that when I first read it, because what I what I like um, held on to or what I uh, like took from it was the club part, the sad babes club. I was like, ooh, I want to be part of that club. So, like, it, it made me think of, like, you know, the Losers Club from It and stuff. And yeah, like, that amalgamation of uh, of artists and losers or outcasts. And so, it's sad babes makes me think of that. And I was all, like, this is dope. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is dope. The name's got me. The art's got me. Um, your mentality, your um, open, your openness, right? All that got me. So, I definitely knew I had to get you on here. But um, I, if you don't mind me segueing a little bit, um, one of the, the, the question that I really, really wanted to ask you, and it was just something that I saw a lot of your designs and um, I, I like them all. I don't think I saw one that I'm like, oh, okay, that one's not because uh, I went through a lot of stuff. But I, uh, I'm really curious, like which design that you for anything, whether it was a t-shirt or a sticker, uh, when you started, when you were a kid, or now? Like, which design do you think speaks to you the most? Oh, that's a good question. It's hard to choose, like, one, because I feel so passionately about the things that I put out. Like, I try not to put anything out that I don't love. <laughs> but um, definitely, I would have to say maybe, like, the Spice Schools design that I, like, because I was, I really like grew up listening to the Spice Girls and then watching zombie movies. And like, I always thought that'd be such a fun like mashup because they're, you know, it's just like 
dead pop stars and then like my son's fascinated with Shaun of the Dead and the Cornetto films and like so we like zombies and weird shit and like making it funny like there's nothing better than turning something scary into something funny because then it doesn't have power over you you have power over it and it kind of just becomes part of your core personality you carry it with you and like when I hire the artist he is actually from Britain so I was like yes that's dope my whole vibe and we work together (laughs) on so many projects and so we have quite a few coming up too and his name's ollie he's amazing um i think his name's schmohawk on instagram i'll tag him on some stuff in my stories so people will know but like i just i felt like when we had a conversation about making it he didn't like think i was too weird because like it was the first conversation i'd ever had with them i'm like hey <laughs> i had this weird dream about this i've been thinking about it for a while do you mind uh, if I hired you for a commercial piece? And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> totally <laughs> took it on. And it was so weird and I love it. And I I, I can't wait to like pr- re- keep doing reprints because I've had to do quite a few cycles of them already and people love them and they I, they get it. And it makes me happy when I'm, I'm not so weird that people don't get it. I think that's the scariest part about putting something out there. Like, like a, I really want to make a cereal mom themed shirt. Not really sure if a lot of people would understand why I'm fascinated with that film, but I, I just can't help my love for it. Like, I just love it. It's so fucking weird. Like, I feel like serial mom. Like, I feel like I'm like, cause everyone's like, Oh, you're such a good mom. You take care of uh, you're everybody's mom. And you always have, you know, you make really good food and you take really good care of your son. Your house is so nice. But I'm like, yeah, but I'm really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a murderer, but like, you know, like, <laughs> Like, I feel bad for, like, when my son starts having, like, friends over because they're, like, okay, so your mom's house has jack-o'-lanterns all year. Cool. Okay. Uh, that is, <laughs> that is my home, too. <laughs> yeah. um, they're, like, I, I, don't take them down. <laughs> I do have a question uh, in regards to you purchasing your, like, uh, commissioning artists to create work for you. Okay. Um, when it comes to that, have you like i know as an artist like a lot of my stuff is very much in the same vein like in uh, the stylized the way that i do it have you found that there you might get some designs back that aren't fitting with the continuity of what you're trying to put out yes and i have had to i've hired artists i pay them up front i don't you know what i mean there are some artists that are like pay me when it's done but like I'm going to pay them regardless. Um, And I've received pieces where I'm just like, okay, like we're just not vibing. We've done the back and forth. I've tried to like, and I'm I'm not like cruel, but I'm like very to the point because it's a commercial piece. Like I'm hiring you to do commission for commercial work. So it's like something I'm going to end up selling. So it's not like just like a portrait of myself and I just don't like the way I look. Like it's, you know, something I have to put out to the world. So I want to make sure that it's um, like fluid of what I usually do but different in their style. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but I still pay them and I still tip them and I keep it in my back pocket. And I think maybe another artist can tackle this project and I can show them the concept for it. And I can show them what the other artist did as an example of what I maybe don't want, but still appreciated. And like sure. that's, and sometimes artists have come, like I've hired them for multiple projects and then I'll come to them with one project and they're like, no, they're like, that sounds like the no fun. That sounds terrible. And I don't want to do that. And I never get upset about it because they're the ones doing the work for that. And if they don't understand where I'm coming from or if they just aren't feeling it, 
you can't fake passion. You can't fake that vibe because like if somebody says, oh yeah, cool. And then just like, I don't want people pencil pushing. You know what I mean? I want them to actually like what they're doing if they're coming to work for me. Yeah. Like um, I get asked to portraits. Well, fairly often I, I do. And I will usually do them. But if somebody brings uh, the topic of a pet portrait, I'm like, here's a list of artists. Go to them. That's I'm yeah. Do pet portrait. And honestly, and I research the shit out of my artists. Like, so if I see something, like, like I have a concept in mind, and I'm like, okay, but what artist can I hire for this? That's really gonna understand where I'm coming from. So, like, for for the shirt that you're wearing. I cannot think of another artist that I could have possibly hired to do that. Like if he had said no, I probably just would not have ever done that design because when I envision it, I envision his type of like vintage, you know, Halloween art, maybe 10 years, I would find somebody that would make me feel like they could get that across the right way. But um, I'm very passionate about like really finding the right person. Oh, also I love Stephanie. Yes, please. Yes. Oh my God. I would love to collaborate with you. Um, and, but like, it's it's you just it's a connection you know you got to know people and you, and you have to know when um when it works and when it doesn't work and there's no shame in being honest about it but definitely if you commission somebody and it doesn't work you better still pay them because they yeah, did the hours on that shit they might not have put out what you like but if you went back and forth with them for multiple weeks days even hours and they put something together and it is quality work you can tell they spent time on it but it just isn't what you like but it is based on the concept that's probably your bad because maybe you didn't research their style of art enough and sure. made that mistake before. And that's just a real thing that really happens. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I love the fact that every question I've had written down, we haven't even got to half of them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I love it because we have went off on completely different directions. And I love the fact that I haven't even had to look hardly down here at my my screen because we this is such a great conversation and we're going in every direction that we should. Um, but there are a few questions I do want to ask you okay. before we close up. We are running to that hour and a half mark, and uh, I you know people don't I don't want to get people uh, being like, dude, what the fuck. Um, <laughs> And I'm actually going to skip this one because I think I know what your ultimate goal with your art career is. You said you want to own a brick and mortar. So I think that's where you see yourself with your ultimate Absolutely. goal, maybe 10 years down the road. Um, but one question that I've been asking artists, and it's been kind of a fun thing because I, I, I love to read. Um, I'm a big reader and I, I don't get to do it as much as I'd like, but there are books that I've read uh, in relation to art and that have helped me along the way. Do you have any books that you would suggest to an artist that you have read that has helped you with your art career or to deal with an aspect of your art career? Um, well, I think I gleam a lot of perspective from music. So when I read punk themed volumes, I really get inspired. So one of the pieces of fiction that really inspired me and is an extremely fun read and really made me want to get out there and create was Hairstyles of the Damned by Joe Mino. And he's one okay. of my favorite artists of all time and favorite authors of all time. Poet, he's phenomenal. And um, another person that I think is a great author um, that has really kind of like, she has like an ethereal fairy garden interesting perspective in writing is Francesca Leah Block. Um, 
And then when I really just want to like read something that kind of puts the whole occult young person weirdo vibe, I like uh, Amelia Outwater Rhodes, just some very interesting like uh, vampire books that are like oh, nice. not, not creepy like Anne Rice, where it's like very like, yeah, vampires. Mm -hmm. so more like, yeah, vampires. <laughs> like, oh my God, I just, <laughs> I just saw that Anne Rice passed away recently and I was like, I had no clue. My heart. And what? I was like, what? Because I follow her son on Twitter. She was amazing. Yeah. I'm a big Stephen King fan. Oh, so. my mom used to write him love. No, she didn't. <laughs> yes, she did. Um, <laughs> she would have miseried the shit out of that man. He, she was a love <laughs> Stephen King. And she had every one of his books. And when I was growing up, at my son's age, he's 12, I was reading because the the, um, the Green Mile would come to you in small volumes. It didn't come to you in one book when it first happened. And I would take them out of the room when she was taking naps from work because she used to work at Mervyn's like 12-hour shifts. And I would be like, hey, I'm reading The Green Mile. So inappropriate. So inappropriate. And I would <laughs> never take it back because I loved it so much. The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Fucking, oh, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, beautiful, scary-ass book. Love that book. I, I have the, uh, the pop-up book for that. Oh, that is so crazy. Um, I, I I have a huge Stephen King collection that I've been collecting for about 15 to 20 years um, since I was in high school. I, I read my first Stephen King book when I was in high school. And I will, I'm will. i ashamed to say that I have not read nearly as much as I would like because time doesn't always permit that. So I try to read a little bit here and there. But I've read, I've been going through all of his shorter volumes yeah. and, and busting those out. Um because the man but, can go on about he's he's a describer, so there could be like twelve pages about a chair, and then you never fucking hear about the chair again, and you're like, dude, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no offense. I, those are filler episodes. Those are that's what those are. My next next month's zine is all Stephen King. Oh, that's so. So cool. everything, okay. every every one of them is going to be Stephen King, but like all of the the drawings I do for the zine are on Stephen King book pages because I had a book of his that broke the spine broke and since i'm a hardcore collector i went and repurchased that book but then i'm left with this you know book with a broken spine so instead of throwing it away or donating it to be thrown away i just started making art out of it so like, i don't know so i don't know if you can see this but it's all on oh my god that is so cool so that's that's that. what I, I i all of them are on stephen king book pages um, as they should be I think he would appreciate it, honestly. I think so, too. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to write the intro for next month. And, um, yeah, I should have worn my uh, Based on a Novel by Stephen King hat today. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I love books. It's a huge part of my life. So I thought that was always a fitting question. I know not everybody reads a lot. But um, do you know his son, Joe Hill? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm a big Joe Hill fan as well. Um, what is some advice you would give to your younger self? Run away from everyone that makes you comfortable because those people are using you. Like, if, you, if you're too one. comfortable... That is a good one, yeah. You're surrounded by narcissists, Robin. Run. Run the other direction. Yeah. I, I was really fucking smart. And when I tell you I was smart, I was, like, tested as a genius smart. Like, I could have done a lot more with my life. I don't feel like I wasted my potential. I'm very happy. My life is really fulfilling, and I'm very happy. I love myself most days. Absolutely obsessed with my kid. My husband's great. 
but fuck, like, I really, 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 really fucked my life up when I was a teenager because I was so in need of something that I did not understand was just myself. Yeah. I, I hated myself. I hated that I couldn't figure out that I shouldn't hate myself. And I gravitated towards people that would take, 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 take. And I was a people pleaser. And I wish I had just been like, stop it. Like, don't do that. You don't need to please anybody. Sometimes it's okay to say no. Actually, most of the time it's okay to say no. And sometimes it's okay to straight up just say fuck off because mm-hmm. especially as a young girl, and I was like, I mean, I'm talking like, I was like 97 pounds, four foot 11 in like the, you know, senior year of high school. I was like this tiny little thing who just wanted to be happy and make other people happy. And, you know, a lot of that ended up really fucking me up. And I, I, I would go back and say, you don't have to make people happy. You can make yourself happy. It's okay to be selfish. I, I have this thing that I tell myself and it's how I cut toxic people out of my life. It is surround yourself with people who are going to bring you up, not down. What is it? Uh, you'd rather have a dollar bill than a hundred pennies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just, it's something cause I've had to cut toxic people out of my life before and it's, it's always a hard thing to do, but you know, I, they, you can't let people drag you down to their level. So sometimes you have to walk away. And, that uh, was that was the hard part. I didn't know how to walk away. I would, and I wasn't like give people a million chances, but I wouldn't see what they were doing. I wouldn't allow myself to see the true identity of who they were because I just wanted to see the good in someone. But as sure. a Virgo, I'm very good at cutting people off and being like, I don't remember who you are. Like I see people and they're like, Oh my God, Robin! And I'm just like, I, I don't know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't remember you. I haven't thought about well, you since I had to see you. <laughs> I have one more question before we get off here. Marco, do you have any more questions? No, I, I think we're pretty good. All right, well, we're going to end with this one question. Uh, and this is, what advice would you give to any younger artist that's listening? Try everything. Even if you don't think that your art is what you want it to look like, you don't know what you want your art to look like, I promise. Like, someday you will evolve into the artist that you want whether that be trying to find the right vocaling or, you know, trying to find the right guitar pedal or trying to find the, if you're an oil painter or a collage artist, or you just simply like throwing shit at other shit and making it look cool. There's no wrong way to do art. And if somebody tells you that you're doing it wrong, it, it's fine. You can listen to them, but if it doesn't make you feel like that's the truth, then it's probably not the truth. And you should just figure out your right way to do art. There's, I love there's it. so many different ways to live your life. You don't need a rule book. Just do it. And like, and don't do drugs, please. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nice, nice. Uh, Robin, thank you so much for this. Thank you. I had a lot of time. time. Uh, we would <laughs> love to have you on again in the future and check in with you and see how things Definitely. are going. Because um, I feel like we could talk for another four or five hours. Agreed. Um, and break that up into like an entire like season of podcasts. So right. I really appreciate you. Coming I told on. you I talk a lot. I'm sorry. And and Robin, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna formally ask you right now if you would be interested in maybe joining in on some of our mini sods here and there, and as kind of a just hey, a I was thinking the same thing. To, uh, just kind of talk shop about a, a different topic in art because I would love to have you on. Um, 
and includes you more because I think that you have such a unique perspective and uh, you're, you're an absolute blast to talk to. So thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us today. Does the Sad Babes Club have a, a catchphrase at all? It's okay to cry. It's okay yeah, to cry. It's okay, it's okay to cry. Fucking world. And stay rebellious, guys.